John here, and we've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. Now that you've finished your latest Pirate Math SpongeCore Twitch trek, it's time to get it out there so everyone can hear it. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. And because you're a high-gain listener, you get 30% off. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. And now DistroKid has an app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can download it at distrokid.com slash app or in the app and play stores. We'd like to take a minute to thank our pals over at Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. The new gold standard of audio repair, Isotope RX11, is coming in May. Buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. High Gain listeners get 10% off using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. That's all at isotope.com. I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hey, this is Ed Peterson. And this is John Kiltica, Ed. John, it's the High Game Podcast. It is the High Game Podcast. We're back. We're back again. Yeah, it feels great. It feels like it's been, I don't know, seven days. Back like a couple of your favorite bad pennies. Yeah, that's a song by um, Big Black, Bad Penny. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, where are we recording from? Beautiful. West Seattle, Washington. It's a lovely day out. It is. It's one of those days in the middle of winter where it just decides, like, clouds are going to go away, sun is going to come up. Uh-huh. It's beautiful. Yeah. You know? Love it. We don't get too many of those here in the upper left corner of the United States. Yeah. And when we do, the old men like to bask in it. This is nothing. Yeah. I remember the aughts. Right. Exactly. Are we going to talk about guitars today? We are going to talk about guitars today, Ed. I thought that might be fun. Sure, the people seem to like it. It resonates. That's kind of nominally what this is about anyway. Sure. Maybe we talk about a pedal or something. Pedals, too. We like pedals. Pedals are good. Yeah. 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 Beverages. This is one of those songs where people are like, Ed, you're an asshole. Is it Elvis? It is. Okay. Okay. That was like 
I think this is Elvis. Like, turns out I don't listen to a lot of Elvis. But yeah, okay. Elvis Presley circa like... 56 or something. 56, 57, something like that. How about that? Yeah. Pulling the years out. Yeah, Mystery Train. I like that one. The movie Mystery Train, does it play that song? Oh. It's got like Joe Strummer in it. It's got Screamin' Jay Hawkins in it. That's one of those ones that I saw in the theater. Elvis Presley. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Joe Strummer? (sighs) Man, this episode sucks. It's going to get pretty deadly up in here. Yeah, dong heavy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, whatever. What are you drinking, Ed? Oh, I have a black coffee in kind of a teapotty cup, like a fancy, real curvy coffee cup. Yeah, black coffee is kind of our our baseline here at Mm -hmm. the High Gain. Everybody knows that. Mm -hmm. But as for your special beverage. Yeah, my special beverage. Sometimes you go buy the beverage and then you end up with like four extra or whatever. Uh Uh-huh. This is a brighter, sparkling apple cider vinegar tonic water. You've had that before. And we still aren't quite sure what prebiotic means. Yeah. Lemon, ginger, turmeric. Turmeric. (sighs) That's another one of those. Turmeric? (laughs) Turmeric? This language of ours? It's a clusterfuck. And I am no good at it at all. Brighter tonic. Is this those surfboard geniuses down there in SoCal? Yes, you're right. This is distributed by Brighter Tonic out of Santa Monica, California. Yeah. What about you? What do you got? I don't know what this is. Oof. This is a Trader Joe's organic cold brew coffee. Mm. Nitrogen infused. Okay. I think they're turning what is essentially a preservative scheme into a marketing scheme. Mm. Nitrogen infused. Is that a preservative scheme? Well, it's my understanding. Yeah. Like when you buy potato chips, for instance. Okay. You know when the bag is all fluffy? Yeah. And then you have to kind of pop that bag? Yep. The reason that bag is fluffy is because they pump nitrogen in there. Huh. As a preservative. Weird. So maybe they pump nitrogen into this coffee as a preservative, and then on the label they're like, ooh, it's got nitrogen. You know, I like to trust the scientists and whatnot. Oh, you want to give me another booster? I'm into it. Vaccines? Love them. You know, keep me alive? Great. This coffee's not that good. I think pumping nitrogen into your food, maybe that's a scientist thing, but maybe that's just some boner trying to make a couple extra bucks. I think so, because you look at the ingredients, and it's just cold brew coffee, water, and that's about it. Okay. I gotta tell you, it doesn't taste very good. No? I am not likely to finish this. Maybe you're doing it wrong. I might have to go back to the coffee I done brought with me. Sure. Just black, but I made it myself. I like it better. Have the man make it for you? Some factory? Hard pass. Nitrogen. That's a big boy guitar? This is a really fat-ass guitar, Ed. (laughs) This is a massive jazz box. Yeah. And it is made in Japan. This is a copy. The brand name on this says Memphis. Uh Uh-huh. It was imported by C. Bruno and Sons out of Connecticut. Oh. Also responsible for Takamini guitars. Oh. And this is from the 70s. The reason I mention all of this is because this is an astounding copy of the flagship jazz box of the Gibson line. The Gibson L5. Okay. Do you know anything about the L5? Uh, let's, let's assume I don't. Okay. This thing is really thick. 
it is not a laminate top and back. Yeah. There's some dude carving that shit by hand. That's great. And they tap tune it. This is the only time where, to my mind, wood is going to matter. Not the kind of wood. I think it's what you do to it. Sure. They'll carve a little out and then go. Tune the body like you're tuning a drum. Yeah. An experienced luthier will be like, oh, I got to take a little more off over there. Yeah. Tap it again. I got to take a little more. That's a laborious process. Let me ask you a question. Yes. I'm not sure if we're conflating the guitars. Is this guitar built the same way, or were you speaking strictly to the Gibson? This guitar is built the same way. Okay. This is almost an exact copy. Got it. I mean, it was the copy era. It was the 70s in Japan, but a lot of those guys, it just goes to show you, astounding craftsmen. It's fancy. Yeah. The L5 started in 1922. 22. You know what was going on in the world in 1922, 23? Warren G. Harding. Off the top of the dome. Top of the dome. <laughs> I would say Warren Harding was in office. Oh, yeah. What happened? I think he went to bed. <sighs> See? One of those guys. See? Apparently not one of those presidents who sleeps with one eye open. He straight up didn't bother to wake up. <sighs> yeah. He was one of those Republican presidents that had massive popular support and was just plagued with scandals. Did cool stuff like, oh, we're going to set aside this land because we know there's oil reserves and it's on federal land, so we're setting it aside. And then, oh, some friend of his does a no-compete bid and just makes modern-day billions of dollars. Tons of scandals. Maybe he was stabbed. Oh, in his sleep? Yeah. They probably would have noticed if it was a stab wound. Yeah, but it's the White House, right? They're going to say, oh, somebody somewhere stabbed him. That's going to look real bad. Sure. Easier to just say, huh, go figure. He didn't wake up. John and Ed going down the conspiracy rat hole (laughs) with old Harding. Yeah. So this guitar, or the L5. We're bouncing back and forth, and that's fine. Maybe we should just clear it up. Okay. This is a copy of an L5 made by Memphis in Japan in the 70s. Yep. But it's interesting to explore how the L5 even came to be. So we're going to dive into the history of the Gibson L5 here for a moment. Sure. All right. 1922, it is designed and released. It's designed by a guy named Lloyd Lore. Lloyd. Lloyd Lore. Turns out Lloyd Mm -hmm. was a super duper smarty pants. Okay. Genius-level musician. He studied at Oberlin in Oberlin, Ohio. Okay. Very fancy. By age 20, he was a professional mandolin player playing pro gigs. Sure. He went over to Europe during that World War I. Okay. And he was a concert entertainer with the American Expeditionary Forces. That is probably a better gig than, say, sitting in a trench on the front line in France, getting... Blowed up. Blowed up or mustard gas lobbed in your lap. Yeah. You know? He's probably thanking the stars he took up mandolin at that point. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. While he's over there in France... Sure. They must give him a couple few days off here and there. Because mm-hmm. he studies at the National Conservatory of Music in Paris. Probably great. As well as the National Institute of Radio Engineering. Man, Paris in the teens, you know, yeah. even with the war going on. Old Lloyd down there. Ripping and tearing, uh, you know what I'm saying? Smoking cigarettes and... Turtleneck. Snapping. <laughs> I don't know. I'm into it. Yeah. 
He comes home and studies harmony and composition at Chicago Music College and then decides to get a master's of music theory. This all is to just tell you, dude knows about music. Big brain. All this time, yeah. post-World War I, he's playing shows. And a lot of the shows in that area, the Chicago area, as you might expect, are sponsored by Gibson. Sure. So Gibson is aware of him. He has made friends at Gibson. Okay. So eventually yeah. they're like, hey, why don't you come over to Gibson to do some work for us? And he says, sure, but I don't want to interrupt my music career. For a couple few months every summer, I'm not available. I'm traveling, playing concerts. Love it. They're like, okay, that's cool. Yeah. Second thing he says is, not for nothing, but I have some ideas about how instruments are built. Oh. And what they should be doing. I was thinking he would come in and say exactly the opposite of that. It occurs to me that knowing theory and playing guitar, that's a little more of a cerebral pursuit. Yes. And mechanical engineering is a little more of a hands-on wood and metal kind of thing. Yeah. So having opinion about, like, this thing is wrong because dot, dot, dot. Yeah, I don't know. And I can imagine the guys at Gibson are like, so are you a luthier? Like, no. Right. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. But he was given a hand. Sure. Well, all right. What do you got? Yeah. Well, I've got some ideas for specifically mandolins and guitars. Yeah. What if we took a page out of the violin playbook? Mm-hmm. And thought about making these instruments more in line with how those old world craftsmen made instruments. First of all, they didn't laminate the wood tops. They were carved. Yeah. And second of all, F-holes. So the L5, when it comes out, thanks to Lloyd Lore, is the first guitar to have F-holes in it. Rarely do you hit me with a fact and I'm just like, oh, that's stunning, you know? Really? That's the first guitar? Uh -huh. Before then, there was never an F-hole in a big acoustic-y style. Wild. Throughout the Middle Ages, sure, sure. there were precursors to the F-hole. Yeah. But over hundreds of years, the F-hole came to have this shape to it. There are other people that have fucked around with F-holes. <laughs> but yeah, first guitar available huh. on the market with F-holes in it. That's crazy. That's Lloyd Lore. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, what's this guy got to offer? Nothing. And then he comes in and his first suggestion is just like ubiquitous with every jazz box from then forward. The L5 soon becomes a golden standard. Right. Carved top, that was a first. Yep. Adjustable truss rod, 1922. That was a first. Really? Yeah. That wasn't at his recommendation. Yeah, it was. Really? Yeah. This fucking guy. Let's throw another caveat in there. Sure. He was not a luthier. Right. So I can imagine he's saying, here's all the shit I want. I want this to be able to be adjustable. Sure. Well, how are we going to do that? And maybe old Lloyd says, I don't know. You're the fucking luthier. Sure, but, and then, you know. And then, you yeah. know, luthier dude figures it out. Right. 14 frets where it meets the body. Okay. That was a first. Up till then, it was 12, sometimes yeah. even less. Okay. So what does that do? 14 frets at the body means you move the bridge up more towards Forward. the center, okay. so the resonance is happening more at the middle of the guitar. My favorite science class in high school was physics. I loved it. Big physics head? Yeah, but I'm thinking as you bring the bridge forward, wouldn't it be less resonant? Depending on where the frets meet the body, that's where the bridge ends up. If you want to transfer uh, that to the yep. wood in the middle, mm -hmm. that's where you want the bridge to be. 
I was thinking more from a deadening the body standpoint and like the bridge actually doing less of the work, but it's doing more. It's doing more of the work. Yeah. That was a first. Okay. 16 inches wide. Yeah. The first one was a lot more primitive than this. So you see all these appointments on here. Right. Did not start out that way. Okay. For instance, you couldn't get different colors until a couple of years later. The pick guard didn't start out bound. This is a triple bound pick guard. Mm -hmm. The F holes are bound. Mm -hmm. The neck is triple bound. There are split parallelogram inlays in the fretboard. Yep. The tailpiece is this kind of art deco, half gold, half silver engraved business. It's uh, a fancy boy. Yeah. That was not all available at first. And of course, in 1922, there would not have been pickups in it. Pickups would have been post-war for the L5. Okay. They started with P90s around about 1958 or so, switched them over to humbuckers, which okay. is what we see in our Japanese friend here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What year is this guitar? This one is 1977. Bridge. How's the action on that thing? Impeccable. Yeah? This is a hell of a jazzy box. I can't say that it's a hidden gem. I think it's pretty well known that these are the equal to an L5. You're going to pay less than for an L5, but you're still going to pay for it. Yeah? Yeah. You okay. can get these used for like 2500 bucks. Oh, okay. It's fancy. Even the bridge has little inlays on it. It does. That's cool. Yeah. I'm just noticing that. It's yeah. an ebony wooden bridge. A lot of times you will find these where somebody has put a uh, adjustable like Gibson style bridge on this, the metal uh -huh. ones, Yeah, which horks that whole transfer of resonance that we were talking sure. about. Sure. It wants to be that wood so it can just go. That's nice. That's very nice. In 1977. Yeah. Would it surprise you to know that the people making these high-end ones were our good friends over at Matsumoku? No. It was the Matsumoku boys doing this. That does not surprise me a ton. They haven't probably come up in six months or something. In a it's while. It's been a long time. Some of the finest craftsmen in Japan were working out of Matsumoku. Yep. How much do you think this was in 1977 yen? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> in yen? Yeah. You could do dollars if you let want. Me, let me throw just a yen number out there, and I can't even equate it to dollars. We'll put a little time Yeah. to let the people compete with Ed. Yep. You've got a little time. I'm going to do yen and dollars. Oh, okay. I'm going to hit you with both. 1977. Yep. Carter yen. Yeah. Oh, man. Carter yen inflation pre-80s Japan economy kind of just going nuts i think so you're gonna guess in both yen and dollars yes okay let's put 30 seconds up there and see how that goes okay before i had this it belonged to my sister it used to be dad's but he never took interest before it was his it was paid for on time By his father who left it, and now it is mine. I'm going to say this was 4.2 million yen. 
And I'm going to say this was $830. 1977. It's way too high, right? Because this is the copy. So I bet the L5 was closer to that. I'm going to take the second one back. 4.2 million yen and $382. There. Well, Ed, your currency conversion is for For shit. For shit, yeah. Yeah. Okay. In yen in 1977, this was 300,000 yen. You know. eh, That was about 1,200 bucks. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so was the guitar $1,200 US? Yes. Oh my God. In 1977. Yeah. Okay. I did terrible on that question, John. Today, yen, that's 492,865 yen, which is roughly $4,300. These were not cheap. No. Hey, John. Yes. I brought a guitar pedal. Oh. Brought a pedal. What do you got, Ed? I got a Chase Bliss Therme. What do they bill that as? It's an analog delay pitch shifter. It says, public bathing never felt so good. Ooh. Therme is like Roman bath. Didn't we decide that it comes from either the Latin, the Greek, or whatever for the word hot? You know? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Thermos. Like a thermos. Sure. <gasps> Can this pedal keep my beverage hot? Eh. It's a analog delay. Like most Chase Bliss stuff, you know, there's the analog signal path. Uh-huh. And then they throw their digital manipulation over the top of it. Listen to that. That's lovely. Is this what you have chosen as our baseline? This is almost as normy as you can get. What are the controls? Mix, LPF, which sure. is the low pass filter. Regen, which is effectively repeats. Glide, and then there's an interval one, interval two. Glide affects the smear between the pitch shifting. So right now I have kind of no pitch shifting going on. The low pass filter is really great on this. Rolling counterclockwise. Now I'm up to noon. And then as you go super clockwise, it starts to get a little more lo-fi in there. Introduces a little artifacting, I feel like. Oh, what's that, John? What is that? That's just some pitch shifting. And so I'm going up on one and down on the other. You want to hear some kind of weirdness. Yeah. the transition time between the two intervals in the pitch shifting. So like if you go fully counterclockwise, hit that. Fully clockwise, listen to this. (laughs) 
I feel like this is a pedal that's great to experiment with. It can do the pretty normy thing. And we didn't even get into the dip switches. And we should mention that we did use it on a normal setting for the beverage song. Exactly. So the beverage song just sounded like a delay. And it can do that. But no one that buys this pedal is buying this pedal to just get normy. They want to get weird. I love it. I think it's super fun. Thanks, Ed, for bringing this pedal. You're welcome. <laughs> we did mention that we used its mellower setting on the beverage song. Yeah. We should say that all those Elvis Presley hits, including Mystery Train, Yeah. Elvis's player was a guy named Scotty Moore, and his go-to? Yeah. The Gibson L5. Great. Look at that guy bringing it back around. Yeah. Did he have a delay? Slapback was yeah. available in Sun Studios. Yeah. We lost Scotty Moore in 2016. Oh, Scotty. He just couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. He hung on quite a while after Elvis. I bet he had some post-Elvis bangers, you know? He probably did. Oh, there's a great photo. Of Scotty Moore? Of Elvis Presley with Scotty Moore in the background with an L5. Elvis is doing his crooner shit and Scotty Moore's just smiling and playing guitar. Yep. Doing his thing. Django Reinhardt, he oh. of the French jazz playing variety. Yeah. In the 40s, came over to the States and toured around with dudes. Okay. And the guitar he used during that was an L5. But it wasn't all the Jazzer Cats. No. Around about 1929, Maybell Carter bought an L5. Okay, And cool. used it for the rest of her career with the Carter family. Oh. Her husband and her daughters. She was the matriarch. Okay. One of her daughters, yeah. June Carter. Carter Cash. Later married Johnny Cash. Yeah. Among their songs that everybody knows. You're my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. That's a banger. Yeah, that's all on an L5. Oh, nice. Yeah. You know, we kind of bounced back and forth on the Memphis and the L5. This was one of those overviews of... Of a kind of guitar. Yeah, yeah. Which is great. This is nice. If you want a big old fat jazz box, this would be one to consider. You gotta try it, try and decide, is it hello or goodbye, goodbye or deny? Okay, Ed, buy or deny? Uh, deny? Ah, uh, that feels weird. It's just like where I'm at, you know? Like, where am I? Where's Ed at right now? I have a 175. This is a deny on the guitar you're holding, you know, because it's a little fancier than I need. Maybe I've already got a jazz box. For me, you kind of need one. You can definitely make it do sounds that you can't get out of a strap. <laughs> like, right. And I definitely find myself playing different with a jazz guitar. Yeah. So that caveat aside, jazz box, yes. 1977, Memphis, eh. It wouldn't be the one I would grab. What about you? 
I agree yeah. that you don't need 10 million jazz boxes, one at the most for me. Yep. If I'm going to save up or trade stuff or do whatever it's going to take to get one, Yeah. this might not be the one I choose. Yeah. I don't know. So you're a deny too? Deny for this specific one. Yeah. For the idea of having a fatty jazz box, I think everybody should have one. For sure, they are fun to play. Yeah, everybody go look at pictures of this on the web. Yeah. Compare the Memphis EL300 to the Gibson L5. Mm-hmm. Just compare and contrast. Why not? See what you think. Yeah. And see what you're going to do. Maybe you're going to do nothing. I don't know. That's okay with us. Yeah. We don't care. Yeah. You can take this information and just like back pocket it. Save it for later. That's fine too. While you're doing that, yeah. leave that review on iTunes. Please leave the review on iTunes. We enjoy reading them. We love it. Yeah. Ed, I think we should do this again. Okay. I have no problems with that, John. Okay. Bye. Bye.